Welcome to another edition of the official Jets podcast. Brandon Copeland in the house. Cope, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. We're in the Play MGM studios. You can follow us. The podcast, NewYorkJets.com, YouTube, Apple Podcast, Google Play, SoundCloud. Rate us, review us. Let us know. You can let us know too if you yeah, want. I was say, I'm about to put a review. I'm in the, I'm I in, love that. <laughs> I'm in the presence of two professors here EA, NYU professor in the offseason. And then in the far chair over there, Brandon Copeland teaching financial literacy. This has been well documented, and uh, I'm sorry if you're sick of talking about it. <laughs> but what was like the moment that you said, okay, this is a problem, and I need to tell people before they enter the real world? Yeah, I think that, uh, I mean, you see it, especially being in a locker room. You know, you, you see it all the time in the sense of people making good decisions and people making bad decisions. I think that the narrative and, uh, you know, the, the story that people highlight are the bad decisions. Of course, that's what gets ratings. That's what gets crazy comments, all that type of stuff. But even with that being said, I also realized that, you know, I am, I would say, and, and hopefully people don't take this the wrong way. I think I'm a well-educated young man, um, however, I was approaching some major life decisions and I had no idea what I was doing. So when I'm buying my first house and, you know, the, the realtors and are talking about PMI and, uh, you know, subsidies and all of this type of stuff. And I'm just sitting there like, this is probably one of the most important decisions I'm making in my life. And I'm literally just kind of just nodding my head with the realtor <laughs> or just saying, hey, what's that? And, and learning on the fly. And I'm like, this is backwards, right? Like we sat in these classrooms for years and I've learned, you know, the tangent of a 45 degree angle and stuff like that, <laughs> stuff that I'm personally am just not using, right? And if I need to use it, I'll Google it. Mm. Um, but these things like my credit and these things like budgeting and how to write a check, um, all, investing, right? Uh, these things that are just a, a part and can potentially be a part of everyone's life and potentially every day, you know, we're not talking about it. So I'm like, let's, you know, let's start a class. Let's talk about it. Um, I figured going back to Penn would be great because that's my alma mater. And You're the first Ivy League guest on the podcast. <laughs> it's true. There we go. There we go. <laughs> History. <laughs> that's right. Oh, In the Play MGM studios. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I figured going back would be, uh, one, great for me coming full circle and all of that type of stuff. But then, two, uh, I, you know, to be quite honest with you, I knew that it would draw attention to the problem in, in the sense of if I'm not an active NFL player, I, I would tell the media when they come to, came to the class and we had, you know, all these different outlets covering us. I'm like, I, I know you would not be here if I wasn't an active NFL player. Sure. Right. Um, and then now on top of that, this is at an Ivy League school and not, you know, uh, just not a different school, so to speak. Right. Um, and so with those two things, it drew a bunch of attention to the problem. And now it's like, OK, how do we continue to work it and figure out how we can do this on a mass scale? Because I don't think it should just be at one school or just be at college. I think it should be in high schools and, and younger than that. Right. So. Uh, so, yeah, we took a great step last offseason, and we just got approved to do it again this well, Awesome. Offseason. Congratulations. Right. Yeah. So who's taking the class? Like, you are a young 
educated man who is a professional athlete. Who are you teaching? I'm teaching the college students. But, I mean, again, I also I have a different teaching style and different approach. So, you know, as they understand or will understand when we, when they walk into my classroom this year, um, right now we'll have 60 students. And we save half of the spots for seniors because, you know, they're about to use it. So it's an undergraduate class. Yeah, undergrads, right. Um, and, and, again, you know, we – we wanted to originally open it up to as many people as possible, but trying to make sure that one, we did it the right way the first time. Two, we end up having some great conversations in there. We want to make the classroom space an actual, like a conversational forum where you feel comfortable to share your stories and all of that type of stuff and 60 is a large number in itself 60 so last year we started with 30 this year we're moving to 60 so that will be a different challenge Mm -hmm. this year but um last year it it ended up working out perfectly right and so now this year it's like how do we take that next level step help more people and then uh and then go from there and and one of the the last things i'll share about the class because uh, I don't want to bore you two to death. But. You're not <laughs> well, I, I wish I could take the class. Right. Um, it is, you know, I'm not the biggest grader or traditional grade mm-hmm. type of uh, of professor, so to speak. Um, so what we do is we have my students. I figure if you can teach something to someone else, then you probably have a pretty great grasp on the information. And now to to do that, you know, double fold that – if you can teach it at a high school level, you probably have a very, very strong grasp of the information. So the student's final exam, they do have a paper that helps them, you know, they have to start walking through their life life plan, you know, mm-hmm. five, ten years from now. But then also we bring high school kids from Philadelphia, bring them to the school, and then we give them a college visit. And then also my students split up into groups, different topics, budgeting, investing, credit, how to buy your first house slash cost of renting, things you should ask. Um, and we make the our students teach the high school students. And we did it for the first time last year. Last year was our first time doing the class. That's a great idea. Thank you. And, and when, Yeah, I like that a lot. When I say like the kids were literally – leaving the class talking about whether to invest in Apple, Uber, or Nike and, like, debating and arguing it. It was pretty cool. And and I think that, one, it's a part of who I am as a person from a foundation give Mm -hmm. back effort, right? You're teaching young people to want to help others. But, two, who knows where that conversation for that high school kid goes, right? Now they're going home and talking to their parents about, hey, I learned. I went to Penn today. (laughs) <laughs> you know, I, I've been in Philly my entire life, and I've never walked on that campus or even knew it was there. And now I just went there, had a whole conversation about investing. Mom, are you investing in anything? Let's talk about it, right? So, you know, pretty cool. It, it's so practical, and that, that's what I like because, like you were mentioning before, we learn a lot over the years, and some of those things are not put to use. I'd, I, say, I, I'd say most of those things <laughs> I, I know for me, I'm a little bit older than both of you guys, that I, I forget a bunch of what I've learned in school. But mm-hmm. Dola, what you're teaching at Penn are life lessons that you're going to continue to draw back from throughout. I mean, until you're closing day. Right. <laughs> yeah, I feel like personally it's one of those classes that I wish we had in high school or, or Syracuse where I went, to be honest. 
because to what we've all been talking about, and I'm sure you've talked about it a thousand times, you learn a lot of stuff that you don't really remember. And then that's something that's daily life. And yeah, I'd like to know how to live my life. Right. <laughs> but uh, I'm glad you mentioned your final exam because I was curious, what kind of homework do these kids get on like a day-to-day basis? Because based on what you've told us, it seems like you want to generate conversation. Yeah. But then how do you also make it like a, a learning experience where they have to take it home and then bring it back to the classroom. Right. So we have a bunch of different, and I will say, preface this, I'm a light homework person just because. Another student, reason I why know, the class didn't get bigger. Exactly. We have a bunch of readings that end up going into prefacing the next class. Mm-hmm. And then we also have practice at some of these practical habits, so budgeting. So every student has to create their semester budget, right? Um, and if you want to save this or you want to do this or, or whatever, you can't get to that unless you budget right this week, right? Or you make the right decisions this week and this month and, and all that type of stuff. So we work on that throughout the semester so that hopefully by the end we can break bad habits or, um, you know, some of these habits are passed down from just family, Right. Like I've always grown up seeing my family go and and I'm just using this as example and they go eat out every day. Right. As opposed to going to the grocery store, buying groceries and cooking to try to, you know, budget more appropriately. Right. Um, So we work on that stuff. We practice it. And and, um, we also have mock trading games, investing games, stuff like that. Students have to come in and and pitch stocks. And then one of the biggest things that is not spoken about about the classes i think that as an nfl player and and just something that i've personally had to go through through rookie symposiums and and just you know over a seven-year career is you have to get comfortable and confident in being yourself um and so we have a a whole class on the business of me Mm. and treating yourself as an entity Right. And and we understand that as athletes, but that's not a, a lesson that a lot of, uh, you know, the, the everyday individual just gets. And no one's telling them to think of themselves as themselves. So literally every day, you know, we you know, hopefully none of my new students are listening, but every day they, they come into the class. One of the things I do is I literally make everyone stand up and introduce themselves to a new person. And then you have like a minute and a half to to whatever my prompt for the day is right and so like you 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 watch how the first day you know you go and you say hey you know explain to the other person your three strengths or three weaknesses right and after you give them a minute and a half after a minute you know it's it's crickets yeah right by the middle of the semester they're just going Right. And, and, but then by the end, you know, it tails off a bit. Mm-hmm. You fine tuning answers and you just helping them because it almost becomes like interview prep. Um, it's just your elevator pitch for yourself. And then by the end of the semester, and I also open the class to public sometimes, you literally hear just people going overtime. Right. <laughs> Chatter. And they just become so confident in speaking about themselves because a lot of us, we can talk about the great things that we do. But if you ask me about a weakness. Right. You don't know how to talk about it and talk about what you've grown or how you've grown from it. So it's, we practice a lot of things, right? I, I want my students to leave the classroom and, and just feel comfortable 
sitting up here on a podcast and talking about themselves mm-hmm. for good or for bad. So right. a lot of life skills, in addition to the financial literacy, it, you are involved in so many things off the field. What, what about real estate? Yeah. Well, what are you doing there, and what kind of tips can you give myself <laughs> and Green? <laughs> right. Uh, so a, a few years ago, actually 2017, uh, I tore my pec. I was playing with the Detroit Lions. I tore my pec right at the beginning of the season. And for me – I was interested in real estate and started studying up on it the year prior. You know, I actually went and viewed some homes. Actually, uh, I went to Penn. Temple was like 15 minutes away. So my wife and I remember the year before walking through a bunch of off-campus houses and and just trying to see what we need to look for. Uh, Is this roof bad? You know, how old is the water tank? All of this type of stuff. Is this a good furnace not type can of thing? Can we take down this wall and right. make this an open floor plan? <laughs> right. And then also, shoot, can we put another wall up and make this a room, right? You know, it, it's uh, so that was fun. And we, we never ended up buying or pulling the trigger on any of that type of stuff. We weren't ready yet. And then I tore my pec. And um, in, I guess, Brandon Copeland fashion, when I get passionate or interested in something, I dive in. I don't really <laughs> – you know, my wife explains it as, you know, she's going to check and make sure if we're at a cliff, she's going to make sure we have the parachute and all that stuff. I'm sprinting and I'm jumping off and I'm finding it on the way. So, um, <laughs> well, you found the right partner. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, I really got interested in flips originally uh, because I ultimately wanted to do rentals, but I didn't want to marry myself to uh, a rental property or anything like that. Uh, however, in the process of doing the flips, I've just fallen in love with the, again, the, the, the process, the, you know, scouting and recruiting a house and, uh, or surveying a house and all of that type of stuff, buying and going back and forth and then picking carpets and tiles and all of that type of stuff. And, um, it's been <laughs> fun. I know it sound it might sound crazy, but I'm, I'm literally, I'm watching HGTV. That's what I was just going to ask yeah. you. That's what, <laughs> that's what I'm thinking about. Every time we talked about this before is that. All the programming now on television where people all of a sudden, and uh, I should, probably should keep my wife out of this, but <laughs> everybody is now like, I can do that. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. That looks easy. We'll just get a property here and, you know, fix it up. We'll flip it on the other side. There's right. a lot of work involved. Yeah, no, it is. <laughs> Are you a Property Brothers guy? I am. I am. I do like Property Brothers. Obviously, love Chip and Joe. Um, you know, I. But I, I really like watching just to see what's in style, what mm-hmm. people are doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then ultimately, to be quite honest with you, how I can do it on my budget, right? There's a different HGTV budget. You know, sometimes those houses are in California and they're buying them for <laughs> 750000 it, it is TV. Right, right. Uh, TV at the magic, end of the day, you got to remember. <laughs> um, but, yeah, no, it's been fun. So we've done flips. And, and uh, that year coming out with, with my pec, I remember, you know, my wife, would she works at Google in Manhattan, and, and she'd come home from work. And, um, you know, I'd be just, you know, eating dinner and just chilling with her and be like, hey, what would you do? How's work? It was good? Nice. Yeah. We bought a house. What? And I'm like, she'd be like, we, we what? <laughs> and I'm like, All right, you know. Oh, I, man. You just deal. drop that yada, casually? Yada, yada. Right. And and then uh, she told me, you know, don't. You know, don't buy anymore. You know, we, we need to make sure that we know we're doing. Our contracting team is good, yada, yada, yada. And then, again, I, sometimes I go too far. And I remember 
I, I did that again, but I, on one particular occasion, I bought two at a time, and and you know this is a Detroit's market, so you know these these houses aren't a lower, you know, a little bit lower income. Lower, it's not LA, lower, right? Exactly, exactly. So I mean, and these houses, just for anyone listening, I mean these were houses where you can buy, you know, a house for thirty five k, put into it forty or so. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're all in the 75, 80, and you can turn around and sell for 120, 130 plus, right? That's nice game check, yeah, fifty thousand yeah. dollars right there. And I'd see some some of the houses that they're flipping on HGTV for seven hundred thousand, they're making fifty, right? Is so. that is the fixer upper on HGTV? Mm-hmm. Did you I'm know that sure. Calvin Beecham was on the I fixer did. upper? I did. We've we've talked about that. We've spoken about that. So yeah, yeah I'm sure he has some behind the scenes tips and tricks. <laughs> But I, I think to your point, like we were talking about Detroit, is that it, it's all relative because maybe a house in Detroit that is very nice mm-hmm. is $180,000. In that same house, you plop it somewhere in Southern California, it's $2.2 million. Yeah, exactly. To me, it's all relative, you know, uh, where you are it, 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 because things can look the same. They can be almost exactly the same but as far as the structure itself but right i mean and these are you know these are three four bedroom two and a half bathroom houses you know and the one of the best ones that we did we made 115 percent and you know that's another thing we talk about in financial literacy start thinking in percentages as opposed to numbers yeah because Mm -hmm. sadly sometimes you say hey i did x y and z and yada 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 and i made 10k and you're like huh like you did all that for 10k but if i made x y i did x y and z yada 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 and within five months time i made 12 percent. i made 20 percent. whatever now you're like oh okay yeah. but if that 20 percent, 12 percent is 10k you know you're changing your framing or, or your frame of thought i guess but um one of the best houses we did we got it auction um we got it for thirty three thousand dollars um sadly unfortunately and and this is another reason why we have these classes because um you know unfortunately a a woman passed away an elderly woman passed away but her family just did not know what to do with Mm. the house uh so they just let it go and and went to auction i guess and uh we got it at auction but when we went into the house it was just pristine i mean the woman i guess she couldn't you know go upstairs so she ended up putting a fourth making a fourth bedroom downstairs mm. um so and then adding a, a bathroom handicap tub and all of that type of stuff so we literally just went in the house we put 15k into it just to ch- update the kitchen put new carpet down and we changed the handicap tub to a shower and all that type of stuff we ended up putting maybe 50k into the house we sold it we ended up being all into the house for like 50 to 52k we sold it for 127,000 right Jeez, that's a nice percentage yeah. yeah and this was in like a two week rehab or, or something like that and um the crazy thing is the person who bought the house uh it was a daughter uh a woman bought the house whose father was handicapped and she was living with the father so we probably could have saved money and kept the handicapped tub in the house uh. but you know it's, you know it's just crazy Wait, so is this a family business for you guys uh, because you're talking about your wife and you're mm-hmm. saying hey hey honey oh well, by the way how was your day at google oh yeah, i bought two houses today yeah i mean is it you <laughs> is it you and yeah. her or, or is it 
You talked about your brother before we before yeah. we came on the air. Is he involved? As yeah, well? my brother. He's my project manager. He's my business manager now. He, Is he? He's kind of he's he's elevated. I you know I tell him a lot of people think you know it's funny. A lot of people think you know when you talk about an athlete and you hear oh yeah my brother works with me. And you just like, oh, man, this is like ballers type of thing. Like, I don't just, know. He's just, he's just hanging out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. EA, EA likes ballers. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but you know, my brother, he's he's A1, man. He He's very well-versed. I mean, he keeps me on track and, and everything like that. But, yeah, my, my wife, she helps manage finances for Google. I mean, she manages finances mm-hmm. for Google in terms of, like, a lot of the commercials you see or new products – she's managed that budget so i'm always like you can manage our measly little budget over here for our real estate company right um and then my brother again he's making sure that things are going especially when i'm in season sure uh, we have a couple of houses going right now right um and, and so he's making sure things are going from a on a day-to-day basis when you where know, do you have them going right now right now we have them going in detroit okay yep yep nice. we have one in maryland that again is is a rent to own and and some a tenant just moved in there at the beginning of the season, actually. Um, but you know, we'll, we'll, business is going. So, yeah, and, and how long does the? I think you said it took like two weeks. Uh, at least it sounded like it. Like when you mm-hmm. buy a house, how long until it is flipped? Yeah, well, but before is yeah. right everyone before it's bought, how how what's the time frame from you buying the house mm-hmm. to? The house being on the market to be sold. Right. Like how long right. is that process? Yeah. So everyone is, everyone is different. So the house I was talking about before with the two weeks again, mm-hmm. it just happened to be That's pristine crazy. condition, oh, completely you. cosmetic. But it took because we bought the house at auction. For example, we had to wait thirty days for uh, the court to rule that we can even enter and, and us to technically evict mm-hmm. the the tenant. Not even the tenant. Yeah. I guess because we bought the house at auction, they're getting all these little real estate rules, mm-hmm. and then now we're the owners of the house, and there's someone living in it, and we have to evict that person, mm-hmm. even though that she had passed away. We want make sure we do everything. That sounds a little book. ruthless. Yeah. Like I mean, technically, yeah. by the yeah. the letter of the law, it sounds ruthless. When you tell the yeah. story, it just sounds like a normal right. purchase. Right? No, no, yeah. You as you get it. I remember my first time listening. You know, and hearing, I'm like, geez, this kind of, you know, do I really want to be in this business? We got to evict people and all this type of stuff. But half the time, I mean, with these houses, sometimes it's like there's literally no one in there. It might be hoard- not hoarders in there. Um, what do you call it? Uh, I can't even think of the name right now. When people just go into your house and, and are just living there. Squatters. Squatters. Uh, squatters yes, in yes, there or yes. something like that. But, um, but, yeah, everyone's different. I mean, you when we – so we go – my process is I go – to the house or send the property manager to the house with a contractor check out the house kind of get a get a budget before i even do any of that i've i've already looked at the house seen as many pictures as i can of the inside to just kind of get an understanding of what i'm walking into and then i've measured that against the comps the comparable sales mm-hmm. throughout the neighborhood because if it if in my mind if i can't at least make 30k then it's not worth my time in the sense of a lot of people are shooting to make 10k but then there's something that's going to go wrong in there. And then now that 10K is squeezed to 5K and, mm-hmm. or that that 5K is now squeezed to you're in the negative and you're chasing your money, right? So I always shoot for 30K because I know it'll, it might get squeezed or we'll go over and do above and beyond and I'll be a happy, happy person at that point. But my, my contractors and, and project manager or myself, if I'm available, we'll go through it and we check everything out. We 
develop a budget based off of that, and then we make a decision whether to buy or not. Once we've made that decision, a lot of the times you don't actually get, even if you put in an offer, a lot of times you don't actually win on that offer, so to speak. So I've put in more offers than I've actually hit on or won. Um, but, but you're keeping yourself within that budget. Saying, exactly. Yeah, your exactly. target. Exactly. So, well, but why Michigan? Because you played played with the Lions exactly. to start your career. Yep. Because I played with the Lions, and I thought originally to learn, it would be good to be able to drop in on the properties and and see it. Now, when I started, about a month into me starting and buying my first house for a flip, again I tore my pec, and so I ended up moving back to New Jersey and and learning how to do it long distance, which ultimately ended up working better for me. But What is the biggest misconception about professional athletes? Well, let's let's be more specific. Let's talk about NFL players mm. from the outside because here you are, and we haven't even talked about all the stuff you do in the community. We're just talking about B. Cope and his business ventures and his educational <laughs> Uh, There's a lot to dive it, into. For yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. <laughs> his his educational um, endeavors as well. But uh, what's the biggest misconception out there about uh, NFL players? Yeah, I think <laughs> the dumb jock misconception. I I think that uh, I was actually having this conversation with a teammate this week. Um, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of people consider players athletes in general, but players dumb jocks so to speak mm-hmm. right and not that you think that they're completely stupid or anything like that but you just think that they're ignorant they don't they can't apply themselves to other things what people fail to realize is one the nfl is a very complicated business um week in week out you're really preparing your mind body and soul to go against a team and then the next week you literally flush it out and have to get rid of it and learn a whole whole new playbook, whole new tendencies, all of that type of stuff for a new team. Mm -hmm. And you have to keep doing that, right? So that takes a a certain mental capacity right there. Two, another thing that people fail to realize is, like, just because I'm applying myself to football, or let me say this in a different way, I have the opportunity to make a lot of money and change a a life-changing amount of money right here, right now with football. I'm all in and I'm applying myself to this mentally, right? Because I just because I don't apply myself to math class or whatever. I'm not the guy trying to distract or detract from education, but years ago I spoke to the rookies in Detroit and I was speaking with a a Stanford grad, Johnson Bad Mosey. He's playing with the Miami Dolphins now. And one of the things I was talking about to the rookies is, hey, you know, you never know when your last play is. You have to be prepared, yada, 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 all that stuff. Johnson, on the other hand, was talking about the same thing, but then he also said, but keep in mind this. How many people from your school would kill to come out of college making half a million dollars? Right. So with that being said, you need to make sure you take full advantage of this opportunity and go all in. So, again, I use that example to say we have this opportunity and people just think that, oh, these guys aren't, you know, they're not thinking about politics and all that type of stuff. Well, listen, I have this opportunity that a lot of people would kill for. I'm all into this. I'm becoming a specialist in this. I am the 
Jason Statham transporter, the you know the Tom Cruise love, of this, love those you know, yeah. um, and, and so that's that's one of the things that I think that you know a lot of people should just kind of understand. But they also, I don't think people realize that you guys are actually human beings too. Mm. So you finish your day at work, you can go home, you can have dinner, you you have real life life problems. The plumbing's not working. Maybe right. your wife had a bad day. Maybe you want to watch a movie. Maybe it's time to laugh. Yeah. Maybe, like the, maybe the Wi-Fi is not working. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think there's this tendency because guys do make a good living that you guys are robots and and the other end Mm -hmm. of the spectrum too is that the careers in the national football league are less than four years on average Mm -hmm. you who are still a young dude i think your uh, crude season is what five it says if you look up brandon copeland says five nfl seasons Mm -hmm. This is your seventh year in the league. You are an anomaly, man. Most guys are not around after seven years. That's yeah. just the truth. Yeah, no, it, it you literally day by day. And, and I think that, you know, um, one of the things that I've thought about is, like, you go through those bad times. And what I always try to remember in those b- bad times, and you know, not even bad times, what I'm talking about is, like, you know, practice squad. Um, my first year, my second year, I was cutting after two weeks and just sat out the whole year. And I always, I kept training, kept working out. And I always told myself this year, even though I'm pissed off right now, I'm not making any money. I'm not doing anything right. This year will be the year that helps propel me to year seven, year six, year 10, whatever. Right. Because now when I'm going, when I'm in the middle of the season, when I'm going through the motions, and other guys are checking out, I'm dialing back in on how bad I wanted it, how bad I just wanted to be in the locker room, (laughs) how bad I wanted to be in the cold tub, how bad I wanted to study for the New England Patriots, right? And that time, those hard times will be the things that push you and carry you on and keep you grounded in success, and I think that's what what keeps me going. Brandon, I I think it's clear not only to us but if you're watching – or listening to us, that you're well-versed in a lot of things. You clearly have, for lack of a better saying, a good head above your shoulders, whatever it is. But were you always like this? Like, were you always the guy growing up that was well-versed in XYZ and looking for challenges? Or was there a moment or two where you were like, uh, I have to get better at this because this is really post-football and I need to know these things for whenever my last play is, whether that's on your terms or not or whatever the case may be? Yeah, no, great, great question. Um, I think I've always thought differently in the sense of God has blessed me with a a, a different perspective on life. And, a, you know, certain things will happen to people and they take it and they cr- curl up, right? Mm-hmm. Me, it's, it's an opportunity. It's, okay, how do I work through this, right? Um, so that's... That's first and foremost one thing that I lean on. But then, yes, there have been certain instances in my life that have changed my way of thought completely or changed my fear mechanism that will allow me to put myself out there and say, hey, I'm a football player, but I'm about to try to be a professor, right? Um, and, And 
to speak to those things, you know, I'm actually working on a book right now. Are you really? All right. Oh, here we go. Breaking news here. Yeah. Breaking news. Buy the book now. <laughs> we, we, we're working on it now. but uh, and, and we'll talk about it in detail in there. But, you know, when I was in eighth grade, my grandmother passed away. And I remember um, just being, I was literally right up the street. And she had diabetes, so she would go in and out of the hospital. And, and I just thought it was just another routine time. She's in and out. She was in there for days. And and my mom, every da- time we get off of school, hey, you want to go check on her? You know, oh, no, nah, I'm good. I'll go see her tomorrow. Oh, no, nah, I'm good. I'll go see her tomorrow. Just being a eighth grade kid, I just want to get home and play, right? And then finally one day she picks me up and, and just everything's quiet. And, you know, I, f- I found out that my grandmother went on life support. So now I'm like, oh, let's go, right? Um, and I just remember my grandmother ended up dying that night, that same day. Uh, and I just remember, again, there's definitely certain details in that story that stuck out to me about how much my grandmother loved me and all of that type of stuff. Um, but for me, I remember that moment on of just saying like, that's literally the only regret I have in my life. After that, I don't have any other regrets. I'll take as many chances as possible. I'll make time for whomever, whatever I need to make time for. But, you know, I think as an eighth grade kid, that put a different hustle and a different mindset. It's not even just a business hustle. It's more of just like a when there's certain things that are important to you, cherish them in the moment. Yeah. This NFL, the seed in the NFL, cherish it in the moment. Right? That's pretty impactful for that. Obviously, your grandmother, uh, you know, a tremendous um, impact and a loving presence and a, a matriarch probably of your family, I would imagine, just like so many grandmothers have been for many of us. Um, but that that stuck with you from that moment because you're a young kid. And then saying, okay. I got to take advantage of my time and I just can't push things aside right. because I don't know what's going to happen mm-hmm. tomorrow. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I think, you know, tremendous lesson for me. It literally has changed the trajectory of my life. And again, I can pinpoint it exactly. Um, but yeah, that stuff like that. And then also, you know, from a off the field perspective, you know, uh, certain things like being on practice squad, certain mm-hmm. things like, you know, being on practice squad and, 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 you know, that's another misconception about the NFL is a lot of people just think it's promised, right? You know, we all have signed, we've all signed these million dollar contracts. We're all living lavish lives and, and. Yo, or you're a rich true. man on the practice squad. Exactly. And, and you know, <laughs> technically I tell I share this with people when I, I was an undrafted free agent at the university of Pennsylvania. When I came out, I signed a three year, $1.5 million contract. I saw 20,000 of those dollars before I was cut. Mm. Right? <laughs> okay. Right. And if I never got picked up again, that would have been all that I had to it. my name, right? So, yeah. you know, it, it it's these things aren't guaranteed. So for me, it's also just figuring out how I can make sure as a the leader of my family, I can always provide for them regardless. Uh Cope, you bring it. You're a passionate dude. You're an intelligent dude. You leave it all on the field. I love watching you play football. I did want to ask you about the suspension because when you went in the locker room, Mm -hmm. you were emotional in in terms of, okay, this is what happened, and this is where I'm going to go from here. So just briefly I would ask – 
what did you learn in all that, and what would your message be to young dudes yeah. in the NFL? Yeah, I, I mean, I think that that was a it was it was very rough for me because I was trending upwards, and I still am in my mind. Career right? high in sacks last Career year. Career high in sacks, and and um and it's just on and off the field things are just going so right right mm-hmm. my wife we we had our first child july 11th congratulations 7/11. thank you free slurpees for the 7 11 there you go life, you know um is that a thing wait i was well on 7 11 you you can no go to 7 11 and get a free slurpee but yeah i haven't had a sl- anybody can probably do it, but yeah 35 years well that that'll be his first five <laughs> birthday okay cakes. oh my god um, I, didn't, I, I didn't know that you blew my mind a yeah. little bit there <laughs> um but yeah so things were just trending upward and then for that to happen you know, as I spoke about it, it, it came in, it, it was a failed drug test in April. And for me, the person who I am, it, it, I had no idea what happened, where it came from. So for first and foremost, it was like, how do I figure out what happened? What, who made the mistake? In the sense of some somebody who tested it. My piss must have switched it up with someone else's or whatever, right? Yeah, so yeah. my first reaction when I heard the name, I'm like, nah, nah yeah, it can't be right. I, I'm like, this has to be someone Someone messed up the, the text or the email, right. whatever it was, right. in and, the press release. And then, you know, when I found out what the supplement actually was, we actually filed the lawsuit this past Friday, so getting forward with that process. But after that part, it became, okay – what do I do with this? And that's kind of how I attack all adversity in my life. It's like, okay, well, first we're going to fight it as best as we possibly can. Went through the old appeal process and all that type of stuff. Showed documentation, me trying to check, all this stuff. The laboratory re- results showing that, you know, this was a contaminated supplement, right? This is not on its label. Uh, but, you know, but, okay, we don't win that, right? I'm responsible for what's in my body. I get that. Well, what do I do with this now? Again, do I curl up in a ball and die? Or do I use this to fuel me these next few weeks? Do I use this as a time to catch up with my wife and, and spend time with my newborn son, catch up with my mother, all that type of stuff? And I say catch up. It's not that it, it, athletes, as our schedules are so hectic right now that, like, we don't have – some of us don't have the time to just, like, hey, mom, how you doing? Mm-hmm. Right? Like, last week was my first week back, and – I literally have my text messages are crazy right now because I haven't had a chance to respond to people. I've always wondered about that because yeah. I, I feel like as an employee here, I'm pretty busy to begin with, and all my friends are like, "Oh, you want to go to happy hour? You want to do this?" I'm like, "Dude, I can't do anything." <laughs> so I can only imagine what it's like to be a player yeah. and be flooded with text messages. I know that's such a minor thing to think about, no, but but it, but it and and so I think to answer your question. Coming out of the suspension, well, going into it, first I got my mind right of like, okay, what does this mean financially? I'm a financial literacy professor. What does this mean to me financially, right? Um, What does this mean for me from a brand standpoint, who I am as a person? How do I combat this? You know, one of the most tragic things to me personally was, you know, while I was on suspension I was at this training facility in New Jersey for a little bit and then I went down to Florida but while I was there there was this young kid who got hit by a car mm. right on the I was rehabbing my wrist and all of that type of stuff and and this kid he got hit by a car young kid and and 
he's in there and so his mom's like hey he plays with the jets you know say say hi to him blah blah blah, blah. and he's like no you don't and she she's like yeah he does come on we can just google him and i literally in my head like was just like yeah you can and and, and it, everything just sunk mm. because i was like literally 2 weeks ago if he would have googled me it would be all these great things about what i'm doing and now if he googles me It'll be PD, 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 right? And he might not ever read or know the story, but he, this young kid, might take that from me, right? Um, so, again, regardless of that, regardless of that, I think it's a, it was, and I look at it as an opportunity, one, to see who's really in your corner. Mm-hmm. Um, from a business standpoint, the things that I was doing off the field, got to see who really trusts who really understands who I am. And fortunately, a lot of people were like, oh, you know, we, we they had the same reaction that you all had, right? Um, some were like, I will stay away from you for right now. Cool, I don't want to do business with you. Yeah. That's that's the great part of having financial freedom is, all right, don't right. ever come back to me again, right? Um, and then now, how do I use this as the thing that will propel me into an amazing career year for mm-hmm. the rest of the season and so you know now it's just again i'm all in i'm I'm back to work and i'm just i'm here all day <laughs> well we're happy you're back we, you. we, we, we love seeing you play we love you as a dude you're one of the best people in the locker room and ea smiling yeah and, well listen uh, the guy brings a, uh, he brings juice yeah a lot of lessons and the, the, the tough part of that whole deal like you were talking about which uh, i i do have some admiration for you here is that for me i, I was like okay i'm going to have a tough time trusting anybody give me any supplement again because yeah. you you checked all the boxes and yeah, then right. still in the end you, you you got burnt, which yeah. sucked. But if anybody knows anything about you, is that you do things right, you're going to continue right. to do things right. And I think great things are store in store for you, not only off the field, because that's what we talked about today, but as you continue to be part of this rotation, I think good things are ahead for the Jets. Yeah. And uh, going off that, you talked about, before, just as we wrap up here, think you'll like this. You seem like a quote guy. I don't know if you're mm-hmm. a quote guy, but <laughs> when you're talking about when you get suspended, you you know, some people curl up. What do you do? I used to work at a sleepaway camp a couple of years ago, and they have all these different quotes throughout the, the camp. And one of them was, this, this one stood out to me more than anything else. It said, it's not the weight that carries the man down. It's the way he carries it. Oh, it's not the weight that brings the man down. It's the way he carries it. So there you go. That's how we wrap up this episode on the official Jazz Podcast. A little quote. Cope, thanks for coming to the Play MGM Studios. You you have to rate us and review us. Will do. And so does everyone watching and listening. Again, Apple Podcasts, NewYorkJets.com, YouTube, SoundCloud, Google Play. Basically, almost anywhere you can find a podcast. And we'll see you next week.